just a few announcements before we begin. Um, so as I'm hoping many of you already know, and um, the, the invitations and prodding will continue to go out on the WhatsApp group, but we will be uh, meeting for a celebratory dinner and a Fabrengen, Bezos Hashem, on Monday, Chavbe Shvat, going into Chav Gimel. Um, and we are at the cusp of beginning the fourth year of Project Lekotei so there's definitely a lot to celebrate. And the project is um, very graciously uh, hosting this. So we're hoping that as many people as possible, no matter where you are, um, if you'll be in New York, we would love for you to please, please um, join us and for everybody to to think about something they might want to say. And I know that at least one person has been asking um, if it will be possible to uh, join via Zoom. And the truth of the matter is that this is all being arranged kind of ad hoc. And so uh, if we could find somebody to do that, I don't see any reason why not. I'm just personally very tech challenged, but I will work on that. Um, the other important announcement is that Project Lakote Sijas has now begun their annual uh, matching campaign. And uh, we have a team for our class. So if people can reach out to people in their family or friend group, or they themselves can give something towards this amazing project, it would be very much appreciated. Um, aside from the fact that they have unleashed a, a virtual tsunami of, of Torah learning, of the Rebbe's Torah, they're also curating a, an amazing repository of resources that will be available and are available to everyone. It's amazing for the first time that the sikhs are being translated in so many different languages and there are so many different types of resources. There are short recaps and, and complete um, lessons and poems and, and uh, reels and shorts. And I don't even know all the Lashinas, but there are many, many resources that, that they are putting together. And so whatever we can do to help them help us would be very much appreciated. Um, so that's the second announcement. Um, we're learning the first sicha, Parsha's boy, and we're learning um, with the with with the tefillah to the Avishta to bring a refua shalema ukreva, a refua nisi to Harav Yosef Yisak Matsimachasya, and of course to Henya Rifka Bas Bracha Devaraleya. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to say senior moment. Just going <laughs> to own it. <laughs> okay, thank you, Rachi. Nothing like a cousin. Okay. Al ha-pasuk vayisa Moshe's Yisrael miyamsof. On the words um, that Moshe made travel the Jews from the Yamsuf. So there's an implication in that particular conjugation that he had to prod them, that he had to urge them, that he had to nudge them, that he had to pull them. Isa Medrash, the Medrash explains, Behuva Berashi al-Asar, and Rashi brings it down there, Hesion Bal Karcham, that he made them travel forth against their will. Obedivri Chazal Nizbayer, and the Chazal further explains, Bnei Yisrael were very busy with all the booty, with all the loot um, that was there to gather 
um, from the Mitzrayim that had sunk to the bottom of the Yam, and their booty had come to the top and was on the banks on the shores. And, and were further taught, as much as they took out a tremendous amount of assets from, from Mitzrayim, this was an even greater amount of assets that they were busy gathering. And because of this, because they had this enormous task before them to gather the gold and the silver and the jewels and 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 all of the tremendous assets, they did not want to travel forth from the Yamsov. And the Rebbe says, this is a wonder. We know that during Kriyas Yamsov, the Abishter revealed himself to B'nai Yisrael. And it wasn't, um, you know, a, a, a uh, obfuscated revelation. It was a full-blown revelation. And, and, and the Mepharshim teaches that when B'nai Yisrael said, Ze this is my God, Marin is a lushan when you when you point your finger that you could actually see it. So they experience this tremendous revelation. We're taught that a, a simple uh, maidservant at the Yam saw what the Nevi'im, even Yecheskel ben Buzi, didn't see later on. And this revelation prompted them to say the Shira Alayam, to, to give forth words of gratefulness and thankfulness and praise. The Echitachain. So, how is it possible that in that spiritual place, after all of the revelation and their being so aroused and so inspired, so how could they be so um, kind of taken up with, so um, preoccupied with, and so invested in in the in the physical in the amassment of physical assets? It's like how does that jibe with the spiritual space that they were in? And how could gold and silver hold any import for them at this moment when you compare it, when you juxtapose it against the awesome revelation of the Shechina at Kriyas Yamsov? And the Rebbe says, and the wonder is, is even greater. There, it's, it's even more difficult to understand this. Why? The Jews knew from the very beginning that when they were going to be taken out of Egypt, they would go to serve Hashem on the mountain, meaning they were going towards Maimad Har Sinai. meaning that directly from the Yamsov, they're going to, to receive the Torah. And it's not just that they knew this in some theoretical way. They were counting down the days towards Matan Torah. Because they were so yearning to receive the Torah. 
ואיך ייתכן איפה שאחר כל זה, תפסה ביזס היה מוקה ביניהם. So after we understand that they are so looking forward to Matan Torah, with every fiber of their being, they're counting down the days. How is it possible that they should become preoccupied with the gold and silver? That this should um, become the focus of their infatuation more than going forth quickly with alacrity towards Matan This means that, I mean, like which one is real? On the one hand, they're counting to go to Matan On the other hand, they're dilly-dallying because of the, of, the, of, the, of the loot, of the booty. So how is this possible? It's oxymoronic. So how, how is it possible that on that very day they counted down towards Matantara? And on that very day, they're on the banks, on the shores of, of, of the Yamsuf, and they're telling Maisha, wait, we, we, we still have gold and silver that we want to we want to collect. So we're forced to say. We're forced to say, we must understand that their lack of desire to leave the loot, to leave the booty at the, at the, at the shore of the Yamsuf was not because the physical gold and silver was was so enchanting, was so important to them. But rather, they believed that the, the desire of Hashem was that they should have in their um, belonging all of this Hayam, all the booty, all the loot. And this also connects for us the understanding that it was against their will. Bal Korcham means it was against their will. That it was against the will for them to move forward to Harsinai because they were so taken up with the Biza. To the explanation that the reason they did not want to go forth, the reason why Moshe had to kind of pull them and catapult them into going forward towards towards uh, Har Sinai was because they did not want to part from the awesome revelation of the Shechina that they were experiencing at Kriyas Yam. Yamsov Shechain his galus Hashchina Kriyas Yamsov Paul Labahem Zeros Lekayim Ratzon Hashem. The awesome revelation of Hashem prompted them to engage and to engage with alacrity in fulfilling the will of Hashem that they should take all of the Egyptian booty and bring it into their um, belonging. Base. So one of the explanations of what was going on here, what is the subtext here? And this is also a simple explanation and also jibes with halacha. So I have explained. When it came to the leave-taking, the redemption from Mitzrayim, 
there was a specific command from Hashem. That the Jewish men and the Jewish women should ask from their neighbors, their, I guess, so-called friends, they should ask for their silver vessels and their gold vessels. And the intention of this was not just the fulfillment of Hashem's promise to Avram Avinu that when his children finally leave, the bitter goals of Mitzrayim, they will leave with a tremendous wealth. Elagam, but rather it is also the fruition of the words, Vinitzaltem es Mitzrayim. Hashem wanted that the Jews should literally empty Mitzrayim of all of their assets, drain them of their assets. Lahaisir es Mitzrayim, Rekim Lagamre to leave Mitzrayim completely empty, from silver and gold and expensive garments and so on and so forth. The Lashon Chazal, in the terminology of Chazal, like a silo that has no wheat, like a net that has no fish. And therefore, so when the Jews saw that the Mitzrayim still had assets, they still had more silver and gold, that they had not yet taken from them, and you see that the word is underscored, they were obligated they felt obligated to <clears throat> engage with all of this booty, all of this loot that was at the Yamsov because of the specific command from Hashem to empty Mitzrayim. And even if this would mean that they would be delayed because of this from going to Matan but it's true, they understood that they would be delayed, but there was no direct command from Hashem that they must go at this moment to Matan Torah. The words of Hashem, that when I will take the nation out of Mitzrayim, you will serve God on this mountain, Ne'emru were said, they were not given as a command. But rather as the recounting, the retelling of what will be the order of events that will happen after Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And more and mainly. They were never given a specific time for when they're going to serve Hashem. They were told that this would be the trajectory of events, but they weren't said, they weren't told when. And therefore they felt that they should not push off the completion of their mission of emptying Mitzrayim of all of their wealth, about which they had been given a specific a specific command, a specific imperative. And if Hashem tells you to do something, you have to do it right now. If not now, when? Gimel. But the Rebbe says, but this explanation 
is nice, it's good, but it's not enough. Because Moshe told Bnei Yisrael to go from the Yamsov. <laughs> Moshe Rabbeinu told him, let's go. So it's clear that they understood that this is what Hashem wanted to do now. And so if this is a commandment from Hashem now, so now the question that we asked initially returns with full strength, which is what were they thinking? If Moshe told them go, why were they dilly-dallying? Why were they taking their time? Why did they not move? Why did he have to hold them? Vabir Bazen explanation is even if we posit that the traveling of Bnei Israel to Har Sinai for Matan was actually a command, even so, Sovru Bnei Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael believed, they opined, in their, in their um, understanding, they believed that that sivoy, that commandment of traveling forward towards Hasinai should be pushed, should be pushed off until after they complete the commandment, the assignment of draining Mitzrayim. Obefrat and specifically because this was a mitzvah that had a time, um, a certain time limit. And the halacha is regarding a mitzvah that must be done at a certain time, that, that generally speaking, there is a mitzvah of Talmud that should take up every minute of every day. But a mitzvah that has to be done at a certain time, that has a certain time limit, you do the mitzvah. You don't push off the mitzvah because of Talmud Torah. And Matan Torah is the beginning of this mitzvah of Limur HaTorah. So in their cheshvan, they were making a cheshvan that here they have a mitzvah shazman grama. Here they have a mitzvah that must be done within a certain time limit. And Maish is telling them to go to another mitzvah, Talmud Torah. So they're going to push off that mitzvah in order to fulfill the, the mitzvah, Shazman Grama. And although now it was Hashem's Ratzin in this particular time that the mitzvah, the commandment of draining Mitzrayim, which was, yes, a mitzvah shazman grama, but now it was, Hashem's, it was Hashem's desire that this mitzvah should be pushed off and should yield in the face of the mitzvah of Matan Torah, Talmud Torah. And this is proven from the fact that Moshe told them in no uncertain terms, <clears throat> I know you're busy, and I know you you have good intentions, and I know you're doing a good thing, but now, right now, you have to leave. And he was telling them that now is not the time to engage with the booty. But practically speaking, their leave-taking 
was something they did against their will. Because in accordance with their understanding, which was in consonant with their understanding of Torah, in other words, they were making not a personal cheshbon. Um, they were doing this in according, accordance with halacha. And according to their understanding, the halacha should have been first they should bring that project to fruition. They should finish with the all of the spoils that were at the yam. And not to give up on this mitzvah that they were engaged in at that moment. Dalit. Based on the above, Shemasha Bene Israel Hayatrudim Bevis Hayam Hayakade Lakaima Tibu de Unitsaltemes Mitzrayim, Miyushevest Mia Nicephes Beinian. Based on what we've explained above, that Bene Israel were engaged and were preoccupied with the spoils at the sea only because they wanted to fulfill the mitzvah of Hashem, they should drain Mitzrayim. Based on this explanation, we can also reconcile an additional thing that we're wondering about, and that is, What were the Jews so enthusiastic about? What were they so on fire about regarding the spoils? Like, we have to understand this on a more basic level. They were so infatuated with this that Moshe actually had to pull them against their will. Exactly what benefit would all of this gold and silver provide to them as they are going through a desert? It's a place bereft of civilization. What do they need all this gold and silver for? And especially, especially if you want to argue that they needed to have money because there were some merchants, there were some peddlers that did traffic the desert, and so they could buy certain things from these people. So, for the purpose of buying things, from the merchants and, and peddlers in, in the desert, they had more than enough silver and gold that they had taken out with them from its right. And as Chazal tell us, when the Jews left Mitzrayim, there was no Jew that did not have 90 mules that were not weighed down and laden with the, with the silver and the gold of Mitzrayim. They had more money than they knew what to do with. And at a certain point, it's not exactly like, um, you know, this was dollars or a credit card. It was very heavy to schlep all the stuff. So what were they so crazy about? And on the other hand, 
im Oz Kaidim Xeris Hamaragum Sabri Yisrael Shemiyad Achar Kriyas Yam Sofi Kansul Eretz Yisrael. So they have no use for it in the in the midbar. And if, on the other hand, this was before the Gezer of the Miraglim, so they believed that they were going straight into Eretz Yisrael. And their redemption from Mitzrayim will be an eternal redemption. There won't be any other Golos. So for sure you can't posit that as these Jews are getting ready for the eternal redemption, that their goal is to amass the greatest amounts of gold and silver. It doesn't compute. So asking this question of what were they after forces us to reconcile what this whole Indian bipashtos in a simple way. Mataras b'nei Yisrael ha'isa l'kayim estivoy Hashem. It's very simple. Their goal was to fulfill Hashem's command. She'yushlam inyan unetzaltam es Mitzrayim. To bring to fruition the goal that Mitzrayim should be drained, completely drained of their assets. Umemela, and therefore... And therefore, they were not engaged in a cost-benefit analysis as to what they will gain from the gold and the silver. They were simply engaged in fulfilling the tzibui, the commandment of Hashem, with all their heart, with all their soul, and therefore, because they were so um, devoted and they were so laser-focused on fulfilling Hashem's command, Moshe had to pull them away from there because they felt they were doing something exceedingly important. Hey, hey, and of course, all of this will be literally sweetened, but but uh, figuratively it means that this will all begin to be understood so much better in accordance with the innermost understanding of draining Mitzrayim. And of course, Pnimi always is a reference to Pnimi Satara to Hasidus. It would seem that it's not quite understood why was it so important that B'nai Yisrael should leave with great wealth. So much so that Hashem did not allow B'nai Yisrael to, um, to say, you know what? We just want to get out of Mitzrayim. We don't need the wealth. No. This was a pivotal part of leaving Mitzrayim, that they must leave with great wealth. So what's up with this great wealth? But we have to understand this within the framework of the um, instruction and the mitzvah. It's a mitzvah, say, bal tashchis. You should not waste. 
You should not destroy something good. And we also have this axiomatic rule that the Torah takes pity on the money of Jews. There are things in halacha that are passed in a certain way because of this idea that um, that resources, that money is a serious thing. And the Torah, uh, it takes that into account. So when we say the rechush gadol, the great wealth, the Rebbe says that in addition to understanding this on a literal level, that the Abishters wanted them to leave Mitzrayim with great wealth. But in addition, we have to understand that we're talking about we're talking about the holy sparks that were mired in the silver and the gold of Mitzrayim. And through the fact that all of this silver and gold entered into the ownership of Bnei Yisrael, by transferring the ownership from Mitzrayim to Bnei Yisrael, the sparks of holiness were extricated, they were elevated from the depravity of Eretz Mitzrayim, and they went in to the ownership of an Israel into holiness. And because this avoida of of refining and elevating the sparks of holiness is a central aspect of our avoida Hashem, because it's through this Aveda that the intention for the creation of the entire universe comes to fruition. And we know all too well that the, the reason for the creation was and especially after last week's Sicha, we understand more deeply what it means that Hashem had a desire for a dwelling place in the Tachtainim, in the lower realm, Davka. And therefore, they could not just say, ah, we don't need the Rechush Gadol. They couldn't be Mavata. They couldn't um, just say, ah, we'll leave it alone. And now we understand what B'nai Yisrael were doing at the shores, at the banks of, of the Yamsuf with all of the spoils, with all the booty. The same thing applies. Because they understood the greatness of what could be accomplished by extricating these holy sparks and elevating and unleashing this godly light that was found in the spoils, so Bnei Yisrael bought a tremendous amount of enthusiasm to this Aveda. They didn't just do it. They did it with all their heart and soul. Yes, they're al even more. Ha gufa. This very fact, Shebekriyas Yamsov, Haisa's Galus Hashkina Ba'ifen Shal Zekeli, Marin Oise Be'etzba. The very fact that we're taught that at Kriyas Yamsov, there was this tremendous revelation of the Shekhinah, 
so much so that every one of Bnei Sohar was able to, to point with their finger and say, that's my God. Chizek etzlam yoiser es his haskusam belekichas bizas hayam ba'ifen de b'chol ma'idecha. This just strengthened their desire to engage with the spoils at the yam in a way of b'chol ma'idecha, with every fiber of their being. Just like we see, when a person realizes and feels that Hashem is actually watching him, looking over him when he does a mitzvah, then the natural result is that you fulfill the mitzvah with all your heart, with all your soul, and with everything you've got. Until there's no aspect of the persona, there's no koyach, there's no facet of the person that's not completely encased in fulfilling this mitzvah. And this now allows us to understand the inner explanation of Moshe having to make them travel against their will. It can't be, God forbid, that after Kriyas Yamsov and after experiencing such a great revelation, such a great gilui, that they shouldn't want to listen to Moshe Rabbeinu. For sure, they fulfilled Moshe Rabbeinu's command, which was, they knew, the command of Hashem to travel forth from the Yamsuf. For sure, they fulfilled this with joy and with gladness of heart. But the inner intention, the Val Korcham, that they left against their will, is who? They went, they followed Moshe, they listened to his command. They did it even but it was Baal Karcham. It was against what they thought with their seichel and their understanding was what the Torah demanded of them at that moment, which was to fulfill the command of Hashem to drain Mitzrayim of all their resources. So because they were completely invested, they were completely um, uh, if somebody can unmute yourself, you have a better way to explain Shikuim, they were completely like immersed in this mm-hmm. Abayda, sorry? Sunken, sunken. Yeah, thank you. In in the Abayda of, of Birurim, of extricating these sparks, of refining um, the Gashmias and unleashing the Ruchnias, and they were doing it with all their heart, with all their soul, and, and with all their everything. Haisa is not kusam so having to disengage from this was an union of against their will. The They did it. And the Rebbe says they did it with Simchav Tuvlevav, but they did it with Kabbalah's all. 
because according to their reckoning, according to their understanding, this is what they should have done. Of course, they fulfilled the desire of Hashem Basimcha, but it was done Bal with Kabbalah soul. And even more, we might say, after Hashem commanded them via Moshe to leave immediately to go towards Matan when Moshe told them it's time to leave, Immediately, they understood, they, they, they got the message. It was known to them, even though they didn't understand it through their seichel, that the time for dealing with the mitzvah of an itzaltim is mitzrayim was over. Umemela, and therefore, lo yigram shum ilui ruchani And because the time frame for the mitzvah was over, no matter what they did, it would not cause any spiritual elevation. The Rebbe gives an example. Just like the eating of matzah. Eating matzah on Pesach, specifically on the first two nights, is called the food that feeds our faith. The actual physical temporal matzah, it strengthens our Hashem. But when is this true? When you're doing it on Pesach. But you're eating it, uh, I don't know, on, on a matzah Shabbos uh, in 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 Cheshvan. So you don't that then that the Indian of Nusa is not fulfilled. It doesn't have efficacy. It's only true for when the mitzvah of Achilas Matzah is called. So the same thing here. Yes, they were very engaged, but then it was time to go, and there was nothing more that would come from their continued engagement with that. Betam Hadabar, and the reason for this is ki hakoyach. Because the kayak for a pedestrian constipating cracker to actually infuse us with emuna is something that only the abister can create and can, can put into that physical matzah. And it only lasts for a certain amount of time. And afterwards, after that time comes and goes. When eating the matzah is not a mitzvah, then, then that kayach to infuse us with the muna is abdicated. And from now, understanding what happened what Bnei Israel wanted to do, why Moshe had to pull them away, we learn a basic and pivotal lesson for our lives. Avedis Hashem. 
When a person is busy with whatever it is in their Aveda, when a person is doing what Hashem wants from them, they have to be invested, they have to be all in with all of their chayas, with all of their kaychas. It has to be with your everything, higher than any parameters, higher than any limitations. You're supposed to be so into what you're doing that there should be no room to think about moving from this task to another task. And disengaging with whatever task and avoidance Hashem you're engaged with at that moment should, should be something that is against your will. Abo, however, but when you get a commandment from the Shulchan Aruch that you have to do something else, when you get the commandment from the aspect of Moshe Rabbeinu that is implanted in every generation, so when you get that commandment by the, from the Shulchan or from the Rebbe, then you have to stop what you're doing and engage with a different Avodah. And at that moment, there's a paradoxical Avodah that is being asked for from the person. Michad Gisa, on one hand, l'chatchila hergesh esleichush on the one hand, the person has to feel like, no, I don't want to stop. I'm learning a sikha now. I do not want to stop and uh, make pasta salad. Because the person is supposed to be completely devoted with all, with all of his everything to the avoider that he's doing. But on the other hand, this very overture that is against the will, you see what the Rebbe is doing? He's taking the Mishnah, that every person lives against their will and they die against their will. So when you pivot from the task you were doing, which you don't want to leave, to the new task that you understand you now have to engage with and you have to embrace, it has to be against your will but it has to be atachai. You have to live, not just do it begrudgingly. You have to be on fire with the new avodah. I'm sorry, ad And it has to be with real chayas, true chayas, that transcends any delineation, any, any percentage points, any... Any parameters? Kavan, Shahaya Masur Vinasul Ratsan Hashem Betachlis Bavaydekademis. Because this person was taka given over to Hashem completely in their previous task, Vahadavar Baladi Bito Behegash de Al Karcha Canal. And because he approaches it against his will, Balai Chayas Amitis Bavaydekadasha. But because he does it, because Hashem wants it, he gets 
a true chayas in this new avodah. In other words, if he was really doing the previous avodah from a place of complete devotion to the desire of Hashem, then when he pivots, when she pivots, she's going to be able to reclaim that same true chayas. Ches. See, that's why we did so well with Kopik. Because we're trained. You got to pivot. Ches. And the Rebbe says, and this is the practical hira, both for those who are literally sitting in the tent, meaning those people who are in a Vajisakadesh, they're learning all day, maybe sitting in a kailal or whatever, and also for people who are engaged in business. When it comes to those who are sitting in the tent, those who are studying Torah, Although their job, their task is to be completely submerged in mitzvah But when the Shulchan Aruch tells you, you know, that there are mitzvahs and there are mitzvahs that must be done right away and with alacrity, let's say pikuach nefesh, to save a life, so at that moment, they must disengage from learning Torah and they have to engage with saving lives. And it's not just physical lives. It's it's spreading Torah and, 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 and Yiddishkeit. They should not be doing this begrudgingly and not dragging their feet. They have to do it with joy and they have to do it with Chayas. Because of course, a person can, you know, make a inner computation. It's much more pleasant. It's much sweeter for me to stay in the oil Torah. And to completely devote myself to learning Torah. So why should I have to leave the confines of the oil Torah? It's true that Chazal teaches that a person that says, I only have Torah, even Torah doesn't have. But every Jew has to have Torah and good deeds. So this person will say, okay, okay, I'll do my part. I'll fulfill my quota. I'll also do Gemilas Chasadim. But I'll only do as much as I'm forced to do. And why am I going to do this? I'm going to do this because if I don't do this, I feel a Torah ain't like. Because Chazal say that if you only have Torah and you don't do any Gemilis Chasadim, you don't have Torah either. And I want to have Torah, so I'm going to do it. But this person has to know, Yesh Ladas, Shemitaych al Karcha, Be'ez his not Kutay, Melimer HaTorah, Sarech Lehaseis Atachai. But this person has to know that even though he does it al Karcha, he's doing it against his will because his passion and his desire is to learn Torah. But when he disengages from learning Torah, it has to be atachai. You're alive. You're doing it with everything you have. 
besimcha ubechayos. He has to engage in saving lives, spiritually saving lives through spreading Torah and mitzvahs with joy and with passion. Ad la'ifin kazeh shebizmanim elu heina inyan zehu kol mitzvahs. Then this thing that he's doing is, is his whole Matthias. That's what he's living for. That he's suffused with this. And on the other side, it's the same thing for the business person. That spiritually, their main avodah is in gemilas chasadim, is in good deeds. But they have to know that their obligation to set up fixed times of learning Torah, they shouldn't just do it, you know, to, to Yetzirah, do it just the minimal amount that in Hilchas Talmud it says that for such a person, learning a little bit in the morning, a little bit at night is enough. No. They, don't, they shouldn't just set up times. They should set up a set aspect of their soul should be engaged in this. It's not just something that they're doing but when they're learning, they're completely immersed in this. Just like the person who studies for a living. like That's what they do. So this business person should be just as involved. And one more lesson from this Indian of Meish Rabbeinu making them travel against their will. If this is true regarding the refinement of physical Silver and gold. That Bnei Yisrael were so busy and they were so invested in in unleashing all the sparks of holiness that was found in the spoils at the Yamsuf. They were so devoted to not leaving one Nitzitz Kedusha, how much more so there has to be this emphasis on the Avoidas Habirum refining the sparks that are found in the Jews that have been at a distance from Torah to bring them closer to bringing them closer to fulfilling Torah mitzvahs. And Yachal Adam Litain, a person could claim, this person says, I have already brought so many Jews to Yados. I'm certainly permitted to rest. I've done my dues. It's not that this person wants to retire and not to turn mitzvah, just wants to do another kind of avodah. Something that is sweeter, something that is more in consonance with his personal nature, with his cognition.
but he's going to do it Bavaitis Abayr. He's going to serve Hashem. Yesh Ladas, the Rebbe says, you have to know, She'ein loy la'arech cheshboinus kama nefashish v'leishol k'far kirev l'tarim mitzvahs. A person should not make a cheshbon regarding how many Jews they already makarev l'tarim mitzvahs. Kivan, she'ein noiser echad ribnei Yisrael she'yuchal l'agiyei l'avadayin l'ekirvay. Because if there's one more Jew that this person can be makarev that was not yet niskarev, so until this person does not receive a commandment from the Shulchan Aruch, a commandment from the Ispashtusa Demesha that is found in every generation until and including my father-in-law, the Nasi of Ardar, so that on this day or from this day forward, they should engage in a different kind of avoid. Then this person has no permission to separate themselves from the avoid of bringing closer even one more person to Yadas. And especially when you're talking about B'nai Yisrael. Every Jew is considered an entire universe. Umamelam, therefore, Afim Kirib Rabim Ibn Israel. Okay, so true. Maybe you were Makarv a lot of people already. Hare Naisar Oid Echab Ibn Israel Shaddai and Loy Niskarev Im K Nishar Oilam Sholin. But if there's one more person that you weren't Makarev, it's not a person, it's a whole world. Oilam Mali Sha'ina Mivora. You're talking about an entire universe that has not been refined. This would all be true if you're talking about only one Jew. But how much more so when there are so many that have to be drawn toward Yadus. So for sure, certainly, each one of us has to be completely immersed in this, the Chol Chayusa, with all of our passion, in such a way, if somebody would come and say, disengage from this, it has to be against our will because we're so invested. We don't want to be dis- distracted. We don't want to be disturbed. And especially when you bring into the, to the calculation that if you bring one Jew closer to Torah Mitzvah, then in the final analysis, this is going to be another Jew who will him or herself be drawing others of B'nai Yisrael al-Yahadas. Right, you know Aleph teach Aleph, so it's the you know it's the it's the not just one person. One mitzvah brings another. Until and especially the mitzvah of loving a fellow like you love yourself. Doing it in such a way that from these overtures, from these pu'ulais, come fruit 
and fruit of fruit until the end of all time. So the Sikha speaks for itself about our Aveda, um, but it's always very gishmak when people unmute themselves and share some thoughts. So please, and maybe before we do that, um, Tzipa, did you want to make an announcement? Yeah, um, we have the Fabrengen coming up Monday, which is February 13th. Um, we're very excited and thank you to Project Lutet Sikha. So it's going to be fully catered from mozzarella and Crown Heights. I saw a few faces perk up. So um, we re really like to hear from people. Thank you, Aliza, for um, <laughs> volunteering to speak. I think we confirmed with you. <laughs> and Joni, and I don't know if I don't know if Rachel's here and a few other people confirmed in advance, but really it's an open Fabrengen that we very much want people to share. And you could share about a specific sicha, about the shear in general, in general, about your Monday mornings, about whatever's on your mind. So we're very, very, very excited. I did post the link. I, I don't want to overly do it, but I could I definitely will post again at some point. Um, I could post again today if people want. So just RSVP, it's a really simple form. You just write your name and click that you're coming. So Tsipa has that um, x-ray vision that we learned about in last week's sicha. So she could see the faces that perked up through the black box. But she doesn't yet have the level of Ruch HaKadosh where she could know how much has to be ordered without people RSVPing. And we all have made Simchas Baruch Hashem and events. And we know that it really, you need to know how many people because you want to have the right amount. So if everybody could just take a moment to RSVP, maybe you're not sure yet and you want to wait till you're closer to the time, but that would be very much appreciated. One more announcement. The project has begun their annual um, uh, match campaign uh, last night. And we do have a team for our class. And if people can contribute, whatever it is that you contribute will be very much appreciated. And we'll go towards strengthening this amazing project that we all know uh, can only give the Rebbe enormous, enormous nachas. And one more time, I want to just say that we learned this morning um, in the schos of Rafua for Harav Yosef Yitzchak ben Simachasya, and in the schos of Rafua for the Shlucha Henya Rivka Bas Bracha Dvoraleya. And now it's an open floor. Hi, hi, thank you so much for learning with us. I think it's especially important for um, people our age at this stage after 30 plus years on Shluchas, the Sicha is amazing, you know, because we are pivoting, we are moving and changing different, um, you know, our focus on different parts of the Shluchas. And sometimes it, it really is bar karcha. So it came at a very good time for me, at least. And um, it's really very interesting. I'm glad that also, okay, enough said. The rest is for the Fabrengen. I just wanted to share that it was making me think a lot about Purim and Esther and how she has to like give up her whole spiritual life, really. Um, to go meet Achashverosh because that's what needs to be done in the moment. Yeah, that's so true. So true. Anyone else want to share something? Okay, then we will go do our Avaida.
whatever that might be at this moment. Everybody have a wonderful week and Kol Tov. Thank you very much. Kol Tov. Thank you.